Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 92. He's Josh Carney. I'm Alex Cazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Monday. Steelers Nation Day, Brian's still on vacation. I believe he's in the Nashville area right now. So Josh, as he did uh, on Friday, I was filling in for today's episode as well. So how you doing, Josh? Thanks for being on. I'm doing great, Alex. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, Dave is a world traveler right now, so <laughs> I hope he's enjoying his uh, his trip around the, the East Coast. And just full disclosure, we're recording this, Josh and I, on Sunday evening during the intermission of the uh, Pens game. Yarmir Yager returned to Pittsburgh. So Josh, thank you for taking the time to talk with me instead yeah. of you know watching the game probably as closely as you could. So, But that, that was really cool to watch Yager go you know, skate out there for warm-ups and uh, just a really cool ceremony. It really was, and and that organization does it very very well. And mm-hmm. yeah, just watching the entire thing, uh, a great trip down memory lane for me. Uh, being able to watch some of those highlights again, for sure. All right, we'll jump into some Steelers talk here. Probably a shorter, lighter show today. There's just simply less going on. First weekend without football, the Super Bowl a week ago. Not much happening in the Steelers land, at least as of this recording. Again, anything that breaks majorly, which could happen, who knows? From Sunday night into Monday morning. We didn't touch upon that because, again, we're recording here a little bit earlier the day in advance. But on, I think it was Friday night, kind of out of the blue, Patrick Peterson, Brian McFadden, they're all things covered podcasts. Hadn't happened the last couple of weeks. They dropped it on like a 10 o'clock at Friday night. Mm-hmm. And Peterson had a couple of really interesting comments. You know, he's committed to playing in 2024. He wants to keep playing for at least one more season in the NFL. He's under contract as well. There's a roster bonus to be decided upon, but he was pretty clear. He does not know if Pittsburgh feels the same and if they want him to be a Steeler in 2024. And frankly, just listening to him and the body language didn't seem optimistic he would return in 2024. Yeah, that's kind of what I got out of that. He made it clear he wants to play. He still feels he can play, uh, whether that's at corner, at safety, or whatever it may be. But yeah, it, the the takeaway from his words and just his body language of how he pitched it, like you mentioned, was that it doesn't seem like the Steelers want him back right now, or at least making that clear to Peterson. Uh, and I think he kind of knew that could be the situation going into this year after he signed that two-year deal. I mean, obviously he had the two-year pact with them, um, but it would be much easier for them to to cut bait with him after year one uh, rather than letting him see his second year. So, uh, yeah, it feels feels kind of strange right now and and I'm sure uh both sides would like to have something resolved uh here rather quickly. Now here's the full comment from Peterson um responding to I think McFadden was asking if he wants to play if he intends to keep playing and he says quote you know I want to this question is if the Steelers want me to finish with them and then later talked about his exit interview with the team saying quote me and Coach Tomlin had a great conversation after the season. Obviously, I know that you got to go through your evaluations and the draft and for agency and things like that. But for me, what I was able to do in year 13, playing different positions, coming into a new environment, I felt my season was uh, very successful playing uh, 97% of my snaps, not many guys in the league uh, 13 years in in the secondary that's playing 97% of their snaps. And he talked about you know his body feels good, mentally he feels good. And so that's where he's at. Again, there's that roster bonus due in mid- mid-March of, I think, I, I have to pull up exactly what the uh, number is. I think it's $3 million or so. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had felt for a while that Pittsburgh would bring him back just, just because there was so much versatility in his game and trying to replace that for the third straight year to go from Sutton to Peterson to somebody new would be a challenge. I understand he really can't play outside corner anymore. The speed is gone and what exactly his role would be is a little murky. Some slot corner work, some potential safety rotation work, some package type of of work from him. So uh, we'll see. I mean, he didn't really indicate why he was kind of talking like he was done in Pittsburgh. He didn't say anything explicitly about that, but you know, he's making it clear the ball is in Pittsburgh's court. Yeah, which I mean, again, isn't isn't a true surprise from Peterson. I thought he played 
a bit better down the stretch. I think it was you that did an article, I want to say in November or early December, just kind of looking at his numbers compared to the beginning of the year and said, hey, he's playing some of his best ball right now. Uh, and I think that happened to be at the same point where he was moving around a lot. But yeah, I, I do think it's it's pretty clear he can't handle outside cornerback at this point. And uh, I think you have to bring him back for just that veteran leadership. I mean, as you mentioned, going from Sutton to Peterson to another guy in that that hybrid role and looking at the type of pieces they could lose this offseason at cornerback, I think you almost have to bring him back uh, regardless of the number. But uh, yeah, it's it seems like the ball is in the Steelers' court, and you know they've got until mid March to figure out what they want to do. And they could theoretically, if they wanted to cut him loose, they could do him a solid and give him a jump on free agency, mm-hmm. kind of like what they did with Mitch Trubisky and Chukwuma Okorafor. Uh, but I, I would, I, I never thought I would say this during the season, but now that we're kind of away from things, I would I would bring him back honestly, Alex, and and definitely don't want him playing ninety seven percent of the snaps mm-hmm. again. But uh, just from his leadership standpoint, his versatility, kind of the roles that he could handle, I would I would bring him back, especially if you're going to invest in another young cornerback in the draft. Right. Somebody else that he could could mentor. And he mm-hmm. talked about he's willing to do essentially, you know, whatever, play wherever the team wants him to. But he doesn't want to just sit on the bench and just be a total reserve, which if he was brought back at that number, they would have a plan, some sort of role carved out for him. So I don't see that as the issue. It's just do you bring him back or, or do you not? And if you do, I mean, I. I can't tell you exactly what that role should be. I think it'll be a lot of slot corner type of work. I think there's chances to rotate him and third down sub packages, the post-snap rotations that they could do with Sutton. And he did a little bit with, with Peterson last year. And of course he got so much exposure at safety. He could play a bit more there. And there's a depth aspect if there are more injuries. Cause they're really, I mean, at Casey is a backup free safety, but you know, the safety group overall, just some, some unknowns there. So I, I'm more open to bringing him back than I think most people are. And I, again, kind of been thinking that they would, but after hearing it from Peterson, we'll see. Nothing's been finalized, but uh, it didn't sound promising. Yeah, I'm with you, and especially the body language. I think that was the big thing, you know. You don't want to read too much into that type of stuff, but he just seemed, I don't want to say worried, but almost like, hey, it feels like they don't want me right now. Um, mm-hmm. So that was that was the most concerning to me. And then obviously hearing the words and pairing it with the body language, it was like, okay, uh, this this could get interesting, but uh, yeah, I mean, he mentioned he said he had a, a great exit meeting with Coach Tomlin, and uh, you know he's in a good spot uh, mentally and physically. And physically, that's I mean that's pretty surprising considering the heavy amount of snaps that he played in his age. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. You know, we've got a few weeks here until something has to happen one way or the other, and uh, we'll, we'll see if Peterson's in the black and gold for another year. I mean, my thought was, though, if, if they were going to release him, then why wouldn't he have been part of that wave of Trubisky and Akorafor, right. who also have roster bonuses due? And, you know, we knew those guys, you know, weren't going to come back. So I won't pretend that Peterson was in that same kind of, you know, certainty camp of, of not returning. But if they did want to let him have a, a head start on things, you know, he it felt like they would have just made that move along with the the others. Um, now could they, you know, release some end of the month around the combine time, maybe get with his agent then and talk things over. Sure. And he'd still have plenty of time before for agency, which doesn't start until I think March 13th, I think a couple mm-hmm. days before is the legal tampering period. So he could still get a jump on things, um, without that big of an issue, but they were going to release him though, just to play devil's advocate. You think it would have come last Monday? Yeah. And it would have been the same with Alan Robinson. You know, if they were going to get rid of these guys and save some money, it feels like they would have done it all in one fell swoop. You know, mm-hmm. Omar Khan, it felt like he was itching to do some business there. And immediately that Monday after the Super Bowl, that's when it happened. So that's kind of why I'm still leaning that I think they bring him back because Peterson wasn't part of that, you know, that group of Trubisky and Okora for those, those clear salary cap imp- implication type moves. Um, but yeah, I mean, they could still do right by him and give him a jump, but uh you know, as the days drag on here, it feels like he's going to be back. Now, the question is, is there a third option? Are they keeping him and mm. not also releasing Robinson because they want to try to pay cut, do some something with this contract there? They wouldn't extend him the way that they're going to extend Cam Hayward. And they're not going to do that with Robinson either. But could they go to him and say, hey, can we redo this contract? Either wipe out that roster bonus or reduce your base salary, bring down your number overall. Maybe that's what they're going to angle for, although I don't think Peterson's going to have a strong uh, appetite to do that. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking as well. You know, maybe they're doing something behind the scenes regarding, you know, these salaries right now. But again, uh, 
like you mentioned, Peterson coming off 97% of the snaps. He was a key piece in the secondary last year. I don't know why he would want to rework his deal, mm-hmm. um, you know, because he had he had solid tape for a stretch there, and he showed he's still durable. He showed he can handle a number of positions, so why would he take less to stay in Pittsburgh? It's not like it's Pittsburgh or nowhere for him at this point. Um, so. I, I guess the thought is, though, could he get that kind of money somewhere else? And I don't know if he will at this point, if they yeah, uh, that's, reduce that salary yeah. a couple million. That's that's fair. That that's certainly fair. But I think from Peterson's side of, of things, he would he would certainly feel comfortable hitting the market to try and find that. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I don't I don't think anyone's going to pay a 33, 34 year old defensive back uh, the type of money that he would get in Pittsburgh for this year. And I mean, uh, on the flip side, maybe you do take that, you know, that 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 salary cap hit as far as reducing your salary or, or getting rid of that roster bonus and staying in a place where you had success this past season you're familiar. People look to you as a defensive leader. You still get to play under a coach that you've spoken glowingly about every chance you get. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's certainly a, a very interesting conversation of what could be happening uh, behind the scenes. But, uh, yeah, it's regardless of what happens, he's still making a bit too much uh, for, for my own personal liking when it comes to a roster building standpoint. And to be clear, Peterson made no mention of any talks about redoing the contract, taking a pay cut. If that is happening, uh, Peterson did not mention it or did not even allude to it or imply it. Those things maybe could change during the combine, which is where agents and you know, the whole NFL goes, or maybe something, some conversations start up there. I don't know. Um, but again, I'm just kind of speculating about you know what everything means based on Monday's um, slew of releases and what that could mean for the guys like Peterson, Larry Okunjobi, Mason Cole, who have roster bonuses who were not part of that that initial wave of cuts. Yeah, Peterson's, I mean, how would you evaluate his season in 2023? It was it was bumpy, I think. I think he was terrible the first month of the season, but secondary in general was pretty poor. A bunch of new guys playing together, trying to mesh and gel. And once they started to, the group got better. I thought safety initially, Peterson did did an okay job. And I just think him making that switch and just being, you know, pushed there mid game against the Colts and holding his own, you know, is, is huge in itself. I mean, just to play a brand new position on the fly, essentially, um, you know, you don't want to take that part for granted because if they didn't have Peterson to play that role, who would they have turned to? I mean, they really would have been right. in even more trouble than what they were. And yes, the tackling was an issue and there were certainly some problems, but I mean, if, if if he was going to play more of a safety role with a full off season to study things and learn things and really act to really actually just learn the position, because he's just doing it all on the fly. I mean, just completely just blend a season, just brand new position. Here you go, Pat P. Try to make it work. So yes, the tackling was a problem. His angles have to be better. His, his actual tackling has to improve. But I would I would like to think if he had just more time, more reps, a whole training camp, off season program in those situations, he would improve in that role. Yeah, in my season-ending review, I gave him a C minus, and that was mainly because of his work at cornerback, especially early in the year. I mean, he teams were going right at him early in the year and having a lot of success. I remember obviously San Francisco after his comments, you know, the two touchdowns to Brandon mm-hmm. Ayuk. He gave up a long touchdown against the Houston Texans. I think uh, the road trip in Week Seven against the Rams, uh, they learned quickly they couldn't go after Joey Porter Jr., so they went back to going after Peterson, but. Um, yeah, I, I thought he looked better at safety this year than he did at corner, which is a bit strange um, just because, you know, he's learning a new position on the fly. But uh, I think his football IQ and his uh, ability to read the field and understand formations helped him out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the tackling was a major concern. Um, I believe he tied for the team lead um, in, in missed tackles this year, and some of them were just ugly. Um, sure. But but overall, I mean, I thought he was fine. You know, we, I think there was this over expectation with him when they signed him in free agency of, oh, they got Patrick Peterson. Like he's, he's coming off a decent run in Minnesota. You know, he's going to be the answer at corner. And I know for a lot of us here at the site, it was, Hey, this guy has some limitations. He's getting, you know, he's getting up there in age. Um, you know, he's not as quick as he once was. It's not the, the the vintage Pat Pete, but uh, I thought I thought for the most part he was fine, and he really solidified himself as a, a leader in that secondary. Um, so yeah, I, I think if you bring him back, I'd like to see him more uh, at, at safety than corner at this point. Um, but again, an, a full off season, like you mentioned, truly learning the position uh, could help him. I mean, what they did 
you know, last year, let's just take the playoff game when Minka came back and the group was healthier and they were doing this in the short time where the group was generally healthy, kind of as Peterson, I think as Porter emerged, became a starter, which allowed Peterson some more flexibility. Peterson would play outside corner in base only in nickel. He would play in the slot. And then in sub packages, he played a slot or kind of float around and, and kind of wear some different hats. And so, you know, could you play him as an outside corner in base this year in 2024? If he came back, I really would prefer not to do that. I don't know who that guy would be that alternative considering the, just lack of options as we see there today, but they're going to of course add. So, I mean, if he could play, you know, not play in base can play nickel uh, or can play in the slot and nickel packages and then do something in dime. You're still going to get, you know, probably about 500 or so snaps and even nickel situations where it's like rundown type stuff. And sometimes they'll go nickel um, against, you know, 12 personnel with athletic tight ends. So maybe not even play then if that's if a Sullivan comes back or some equivalent and then, then that guy can occupy that early down role. Um, I'd be open to that. That's kind of how I envision his role, maybe making the most amount of sense in Pittsburgh. Now the question is, is that worth the money? Probably not. But I mean, if you cut the guy, you're losing a guy with that versatility, with that leadership that you mentioned, um, that did, I think, makes have some moments and did settle in as the season went along. Mm -hmm. And with Levi Wallace, a free agent, James Pierre, a free agent, Chandon Sullivan, a free agent. Yeah. Maybe one of those two guys comes back, but if you if you add Peterson to that list, I mean you you're empty in your cornerback room. Yeah, and you're losing ninety seven percent of the snaps defensively. Yeah. I mean that that's that's a tough thing to move on from. You know, two years in a row because wasn't Cameron Sutton at ninety seven or ninety eight or I think so. Maybe ninety three sticking in my head for some reason. So maybe it, it was over ninety. You know, you lose mm -hmm. that, and then obviously you replace that with Peterson you don't put yourself on a good path. If you have to replace that amount of snaps at that position, you know, three off seasons and or two off seasons in a row. Um, so I, I would bring him back. Uh, do you feel more comfortable at like the 50, 55% snap range? I know you mentioned 500 or so snaps. Is that kind of the percentage you feel comfortable at with, with Peterson or, or, or less? I mean, that's probably what it would amount to roughly. And you're just about right. Sutton was 94% in okay. 2022. I mean, it, but it, to me, it's less about the snap count, but just what is your role, which naturally then, then just equates the snap count. So if you're, you know, nickel and more passing down situations and then, you know, dime packages, you're probably going to be in that 400, 500 snap range is where I would guess it would be just based off of that. Now, injuries can change things. They changed things last year, but that would be the plan at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I am. I am just. I'm at this point. I've talked myself into being fully on board with bringing him back. I think if he has to stay at corner and, and handle maybe an outside corner role at times, I think he'd be better off than this past season. Now that that Porter has emerged as that true number one, can handle those. That's true. Those those top role or those top assignments every week, and you can kind of try and hide Peterson at times on the outside. But it's just it's hard to replace that that leadership and that versatility. I mean, he meant a lot to that room, uh, especially Porter. Uh, so I, I wouldn't want to lose that. I know that, you know, do you really need to pay that much for that uh, at that position? But uh, I would, I would just bring him back. I mean, just run it back with him, have a, a creative plan, let him learn the safety position during the off season and, and put him in advantageous positions to, you know, try and succeed. That is a fair point about outside corner because Porter is now shadowing something that hadn't happened in Pittsburgh since the Ike Taylor days. You can at least try to hide Peterson a bit more because if, if if you were playing sides like the way Pittsburgh had been the last 10 or so years, then you know teams could offenses could really right. match up their top guy or their top speedster on Peterson and, and exploit that. It's going to be harder to do, but still on the outside with a lack of speed, you're going to probably end up being some tough matchups when you play the Bengals and their receivers of Higgins returns and whoever else you face along the way. So we'll see overall. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen at this point. I'm really truly sort of 50, 50 on will he, won't he come back? Um, and listen, I mean, I, I thought they should have resigned Cam Sutton last off season. I thought going from mm -hmm. Sutton to Peterson was a downgrade. It was, you know, a, a downgrade in the short term, downgrade in the long term because Peterson does not the longevity that Sutton would have. So I wasn't somebody that was really, you know, high on the Peterson bandwagon to start, but just given all that we talked about, I'd be more open to him coming back so long as he's in the right role. Obviously, he can't play the amount of snaps he did this past year. He's going to have to have a reduction, and they're going to have to find some other cornerback help. I'm 100% lockstep with you on this. 
All right. Uh, other things that Peterson said, he made some comments about Ryan Tannehill. It was asked about his opinion on him coming to Pittsburgh. And it was a really interesting kind of back and forth with McFadden because initially Peterson had said, you know, hey, I'm all for Tannehill coming to Pittsburgh to reunite with Arthur Smith. Good with that. But know the situation that you're in, Ryan Tannehill, that Kenny Pickett is the guy. And then McFadden interjected and kind of tried to almost walk back those comments and mention it. It'll be a competition. And Peterson almost begrudgingly, you know, agreed, okay, we'll be a competition. But to me, I thought, and then Peterson said was almost just, he wanted to say something and he just kept yeah. saying, I don't want to say, I don't want to get myself in trouble or something to that effect. I don't know exactly what that was. It was kind of weird overall, but certainly Peterson, initial, his initial comments were like, hey, Pickett is the guy. Now, is that something he knows or has been told? We can discuss that, but that's his feel of the situation right now. Yeah, that was all very strange the way he was like, I want to say something, you know, but I'm still in the league. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to get myself in trouble. It was all very strange. And it's like, in my opinion, like in my head, I'm like, Pat Pete, you have never once held back from saying what you want to <laughs> say. Like, so you're going to do this now. Um, I-, I was wondering, like listening to it, was he saying something about the Steelers anointing Kenny Pickett as the guy? Like, is there internal strife there of, you know, yeah, it's Kenny Pickett's show, but, or was this a, we don't need anybody else. Kenny Pickett's the guy, like you guys on the outside don't really know. It was just, it was all so strange, uh, so very strange and, and left more questions than answers, which you never want to do. Yeah. I mean, my initial interpretation of him not wanting to say whatever it was he was, or not saying whatever he wanted to say was essentially is like, yeah, they might call it a competition, but you know, Pickett's going to be the guy. Mm-hmm. But I maybe could it have meant that if, if it is a competition, that's bad news for Pickett, because if you're having to beat out a 36, 37-year-old Ryan yeah. Tannehill, then that, I, I don't know for sure. My initial thought was he was Peterson was going to downplay the, the competition idea and say, yeah, maybe they'll frame it that way, but Pickett's going to be the starter. You know, He kind of has to be to find out what you have in him this year. But that, that was certainly uh, weird. Uh, no question about that. Caught my attention. But his initial thought, again, initial comment was, Tannehill, come here. That's great. But basically him saying, like, hey, you're the backup and Pickett's going to be the starter. Yeah, and if I recall, I believe Peterson had issue with what Tannehill said uh, when the Titans drafted Malik Willis back in 2022 when when Tannehill was like, you know, it's not my job to mentor him. You know, we're in the same drills. We're competing against each other. If if I'm recalling correctly, I think Peterson back when that happened uh, on the podcast took issue to that because he's always, yeah, he's always been a guy that kind of mentored. So, um yeah, I mean, maybe that was a message like, hey, Ryan, if you come in, you're coming in as a mentor, as a backup. It's time for you. This is this is your calling in your career now at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know that he had issue with that uh, back when 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 uh, Willis was drafted to Tennessee. So, yeah, just a very strange situation and, and, and um, conversation there. I mean, yeah, if Tannehill ends up coming in, it's going to be a competition. Um, but yeah, you know, Peterson put his name behind, hey, Kenny Pickett's the guy. I, I just can't get over the whole, I don't want to say nothing. Like that was, <laughs> that was just, it was odd. And even again, the body language in that one, like he looked off screen and was like, ah, I don't want to say anything. This right. is uncomfortable. Move on. Um, yeah, very weird. Very weird. But yeah, it, it, you're starting to hear guys, you know, kind of come out and say like, hey, it's it's Kenny Pickett's job. I think even, uh, was it Cam Hayward kind of alluded to it on his last podcast where it was like, Kenny's Kenny's the guy, but, you know, we're going to have guys in here to compete against him. So uh, it just feels like guys are kind of trying to get out in front of it and throw support behind Pickett again. It is really a contradiction, though. Anytime the Steelers may say it or a player may say it, and this is just me, I think, just trying to state a fact, not to have super pointed criticism, at least not right now, but for the, the this idea of it's competition, but Pickett's the guy. But you can't have both. You know, either yeah. Pickett's the guy, or there's not comp- or, or you have a true competition. It can't be where you have a starter, but yeah, there's competition. Otherwise, you're back in 2022 where it was exactly. framed as competition, but we knew Trubisky was going to be the guy, barring just some sort of massive disaster of a showing which did not happen and Trubisky started the first month before they pulled the plug on that um so you know could that happen again I mean obviously the team hopes and wants and in many ways needs Pickett to be the starter and to win Mm -hmm. the job um and so I think you know however this thing shakes out going into training camp it's going to be yeah there's competition but Pickett's the starter and he's going to have to really lose it as opposed to to any other method that he does not start week one 
Do you think Tomlin may have talked himself into a corner after the season when he said Kenny would enter the offseason as kind of the quarterback one? Do, do you think he not misspoke there, but do you feel maybe he talked himself into a corner a little bit and the franchise in general with those comments? No, no I don't think. I mean, I think he knew he was, of course, going to be asked about that. So I'm sure yeah. he was he wasn't caught off guard by by that line of questioning. Um, I think maybe the most Maybe the only thing that he might have been caught by a little bit was whenever he was I'm appreciative of whoever asked the question was flat out asked, is the 2024 starter on your roster right now? He said yes. And that was like, okay, that's a pretty, you know, line in the sand type of thing, which kind of goes back to how will you have competition if you've already basically said that, you know, Pickett or Rudolph's going to be the starter. Now, I guess that's the idea being they're going to resign Rudolph and then they'll compete and let the best man win if Rudolph walks in that equation course changes to, to some degree so uh no i i don't think necessarily that initial comment put himself in a corner i think they they want to give it one more year for Pickett, and i write about this in an article on monday for the site that kind of tries to explain away some of the justin field speculation that it really is more bark than bite and unlikely to occur despite all of the chatter and odds makers about that it's all kind of kind of noise to me right now um you know that they, they want to give Pickett another chance make or break year for him new oc they want to see how he does with somebody not named Matt Canada, you know, coaching him and running this offense. And so um, right or wrong, and I kind of disagree with the strategy, but I think, you know, that's going to be their their approach this year. Yeah, I, I definitely at this point, I'm expecting Kenny Pickett to be the opening day starter. Um, you know, I, I don't foresee him not getting that opportunity, especially with Arthur Smith being brought in. But I, I just I found it interesting when Tomlin made those comments of like, hey, even though we never went back to him when he was healthy and it was the right call. I'm not saying, you know, Tomlin did anything wrong sticking mm-hmm. with Mason Rudolph, but then the season's over. And a few days later you're saying, okay, now that we're in the off season. Yeah. You know, Pickett's going to go back to being quarterback one. It just, it was, it was interesting to me and, and it kind of made me scratch my head a bit of like, okay, if he's still QB one, you know, why was Mason Rudolph the guy? Why was all that support thrown behind Mason Rudolph? So it just, it feels it, it, it's a little confusing how they've handled the quarterback situation. I think that's putting it nicely at this point since Big Ben retired. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think Kenny's going to be given the opportunity in year three, the first season with Artie Smith to to really get that one last shot. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be a, a true quote unquote competition. And, and I think that plays into why I think you know, I mentioned on the last show, I think Mason Rudolph leaves, you know, cause he's kind mm-hmm. of been in that situation before. Of, yeah. We're going to have a competition and then you get to, to lay trobe and it's not really a competition regardless of how well you play or how well you don't play. So um, yeah, we'll see, but uh, it's just, it's been a little confusing, at least for me, how, how they've handled the, the quarterback situation. Sure. No, I think you can certainly criticize how they've handled it. I think, Tomlin's actual comments in that presser is just one small part of it all. I mean, it's been messy. It's been pretty directionless. And yeah, I mean, how do you go back to, you know, pick it if Rudolph does resign and he was clearly your best quarterback option of the three that you tried in 2023. Now you can explain away, you know, a bunch of different stuff and debate about, you know, Canada and, and run game and those things, but just based off the tape and off their actual play and results in production, Rudolph was, the best guy. And that kind of leads us into another story that Jerry Dulac had written over the weekend about some potential internal division within the franchise about who should start Pickett or Rudolph. And yeah, if Rudolph somehow, if he does come back, I mean, if he does play well in the summer, which he probably will and Pickett, if he doesn't look amazing, you know, how, how do you justify, I guess, starting Pickett over Rudolph? Yeah, you really can't. And, and, you know, I kind of took this as like, okay, yeah, it makes sense. There's some people in the front office that, really weren't involved in the the picket selection, you know, so they don't really have those ties there to him, uh, you know, whereas, you know, a Tomlin does. Omar Khan was involved in it, uh, obviously Rooney. But, uh, yeah, if if Rudolph comes in, if he's re-signed, he comes into training camp, plays well, Pickett doesn't really do much of anything. I don't know how you turn back to, to Pickett and say, okay, you're the guy moving forward, because uh, that could get – really messy uh, in the locker room. I think guys showed that they rallied behind Rudolph late in the season. There was more confidence offensively, just a different feel in general uh, than they've ever had with Pickett under center. So I don't know how you turn back to that guy 
just because he's a first round pick and you've kind of not anointed him, but talked him up as a potential franchise guy. Yeah. But I mean, that'll be the reason it's because this is do or die for Pickett. You have to find out what you have in him. You do want to see him with a new OC and if the run game can be stronger because in fairness to Pickett, I mean, the first eight weeks he had no run game. Oh yeah. That's the young quarterback with really no run game to, to make stuff happen. And and he struggled and, and, you know, I'm not shocked by that. So that'd be the rationale. And that was that the right rationale again, certainly debatable. Um, and even if Pickett and, and Rudolph look about the same in camp, you could sit there and say, well, last time we were in a game situation, Rudolph was the best guy. So why, you know, what is the tiebreaker here? But I think the tiebreaker will go to Pickett and, and the team trying to have one last chance to find out whether or not he's the guy. I agree. And like I said, I, I would be shocked if, if just because of what they've invested in, what they've said about him publicly. I mean, you know, for, for, all the criticism for the Steelers franchise lately and how they've handled things like they have made their name off of not being, you know, overreactionary and pulling the plug on situations a little too early. Uh, and they're going to give Pickett that, you know, at least the first part of the, you know, his third season um, to, to, to prove that he's that guy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if, the, if it's close, I'd, I'd feel bad for Rudolph because, I mean, he showed in the final four games of the year that he's an NFL quarterback and, and he gave the Steelers offense a real spark. But Pickett has that first round pick tied to him and, you know, they invested in him for a reason. So they're going to give him every opportunity. And that's it's unfortunate for Rudolph, but that's that's how it would be. And right or wrong, that's what we're going to see in September. I think it's interesting, though, and you kind of made the point, you know, in You'd have to interpret it and, and kind of just guess, but you know how sincere this competition is might be based off of what Mason Rudolph decides to do. Because as you said, if he if he walks, then you know you won't know. But could you infer that okay, that mm-hmm. probably means Rudolph thought there wasn't going to be a true competition for him to to become the starter. If he resigns, though, then obviously he's gotten he's been told something by the team that to earnestly feel like he can start Week One. There's no way he's able to resign in Pittsburgh with without the confidence belief that he could not, not that it's a guarantee or no assurances, but that there will be a true and and sincere competition. So frankly, you know, what Rudolph does may kind of tell us in a way how, how real that competition is being framed. 100%. Yeah. That, and, and I'm kind of curious to see what type of deal he gets, you know, because you could, you could potentially read into the type of deal he gets as well as if it's an actual competition compared to, okay, I'm, I'm signing on here for, another year or two to be the backup quarterback and, and whatever it may be. But uh, yeah, you, you don't, you, you're never going to know for sure unless, you know, years down the line, Rudolph does a tell all interview or writes a tell all book. But yeah, I think if, if he stays and, and signs a two, three year deal for a certain amount of money, it should tell you, or at least infer, Hey, this is a real competition. And if he signs elsewhere and maybe isn't in, you know, a great situation overall, I've heard, um, you know, I've read some things that he might be tied to the Rams, you know, as a potential backup because the Rams are searching for a backup like that. That could tell you he didn't think it would be an actual competition. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's just going to go to a a better situation overall where, you know, he could he could sit behind a great quarterback and and learn a bit more and maybe set himself up for the future. But it, it's it's very interesting to see what he could do. Yeah, we'll see. And the quarterback discussion will continue. And again, right now, a lot about Justin Fields. Which you know, I still find is yeah. <laughs> as highly unlikely. Um, I'm not saying that there people are wrong to suggest that. I've not really made an opinion on whether whether or not they should or shouldn't go go after Justin Fields. Probably would lean towards no, just because I prefer to draft somebody and, and right. develop that way on the rookie contract and have some more time to do that. Although I understand in Pittsburgh, when you're picking in the teens and twenties, it's it's hard to get that that top tier quarterback. So they are kind of in that that weird middle ground. Um, but you know, in terms of the likelihood of Fields coming to Pittsburgh. You know, odds makers be damned. I, you know, I, I don't see those things matching up. The odds of Fields coming to Pittsburgh and the 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 biggest odds of it happening to me are way misaligned. Yeah, I just I can't see it happening. I genuinely can't see it happening. Um, you'd never want to say never because I, I mean we're not in the front office. We don't know mm-hmm. what, what's going on there. But just based off the history of what these guys have done from a financial standpoint, you know, draft capital wise, I can't see them trading for a guy like Justin Fields because they've already put their backing behind Pickett. And like we talked, you know, last week, if they trade for Fields, 
that's the end of the picket era, in, in my right. opinion. You know, you're not trading for Fields to have him come in and compete and yeah. be a backup. It's not happening. Um, so yeah, the quarterback stuff is not going to end anytime soon. I think I saw Saturday that uh, the odds for Russell Wilson skyrocketed coming to Pittsburgh in in Vegas, which is like uh, okay, two days ago it was Justin Fields, now it's Russell Wilson. Mm. Um, the one I'm tired of hearing about, though, is the Kirk Cousins stuff. Like, I feel very comfortable saying that that is not happening. Like, why do you why do you feel that is even less likely than Fields or Wilson? Just the the financial implications, like that. Even him coming off of a torn Achilles and uh, you know being on the older side, I can't see him leaving Minnesota, and I can't see the Steelers affording a you know, 35, $40 million a year deal for a quarterback uh, at, at that age. I mean, I, I think he'd be fantastic, uh, but I just, I cannot see them turning around after everything they've said, after the way they've built in general, turning around and handing a giant free agency mm-hmm. contract uh, to a 36 year old quarterback, but crazier things have happened. Yeah, that's fair. And is it an ideal fit for Arthur Smith's offense? It's going to have the quarterback move the launch point and run some boots and nakeds for, as you said, the guy of his age coming off a torn Achilles. Probably not on that. So, I mean, I, he, I think he's, depending on the, the recovery, I think he's the best quarterback of the three. Yeah. But as yeah. you said, it's going to come with the highest amount of cost as well, at least in terms of, in terms of the contract. Yeah. I just, I, I can't see it. And I think, I, honestly, I think out of the three, the most realistic path would be signing Russell Wilson for cheap. If the Broncos end up cutting him mm-hmm. um, just because he, he's not going to sign a, a, a giant deal because Denver's going to be on the hook for so much money. So it's not like he could, you know, he's, he's looking to break the bank. Um, but yeah, the quarterback but, stuff, go ahead. But would he sign for like the minimum? Cause some people have said that. And I mean, I just, you know, is he going to, can accept that because you are accepting that amount of money. And I, I know there, you know, there is a Denver situation where they're paying that contract. I don't know. I just feel like he's not going to sign though for a million, two million dollars. No. He's still sign. I, I don't know what he's going to sign for, but I feel like it's not going to be dirt dirt cheap. No, no, no. I don't think it's going to be dirt cheap, but I, I think it could be in the affordable range mm-hmm. um, for the Steelers. And you know, it could come down to hey, he might want to chase a ring. I, I don't, I don't know that as I sit here today, I think the Steelers are a quarterback away. Um, you know, I think Jeremy Fowler had an article the other day. Uh, he put the Steelers in that tier of a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender. Uh, I don't know if I'm there yet, but he could, Russell Wilson could look at the Steelers with a, a solid defense, some young playmakers on offense, a coordinator that kind of fits what, you know, worked best for him in his early days in Seattle and say, hey, I could land there and potentially chase a ring. But uh, that would be that's the most realistic one to me. But the Fields and Cousins one, I think, are getting a little more, more and more outlandish. I'll say mm-hmm. in in the last week or so. Yeah, I think the bottom line is, and you, you you mentioned, I think the most important point is Pittsburgh wants competition, and you go sign Kirk yeah. Cousins. There is no competition. You trade for Justin Fields. There is no competition, and even if you sign Russell Wilson. You might be able to argue that a bit more depending on the, the contract, but mm-hmm. odds are very high. Russell Wilson's your starter. He's not coming to Pittsburgh to have a good chance to become the backup in week one. So for the, for those reasons or that reason and that reason alone, to me, yeah. really takes off the probability of a, of a big name quarterback coming to town. Now, if Rudolph walks, they're, they're, they are going to go sign a veteran equivalent, a Tannehill, Brissett, somebody of that ilk, um, but it won't be the names that are being talked about most commonly by the national media right now. Yeah, I agree. And I, you know, I've kind of come to the point of like these bigger names, not really happening. If Rudolph walks, like you mentioned, yeah, I think you've got three realistic names that would be Tannehill, Brissett, and and potentially a Gardner Minshew. Those would be quote unquote competition for Pickett, but they wouldn't be brought in as, okay, you're the bigger name. You're the starting quarterback. Pickett's got our, beat you out. I think it would be vice versa. And, and um, I don't think that those three would be true quote unquote threats to Pickett and his standing the way guys like Wilson fields or cousins would be. Sure. No, totally agree there. So we'll see. It's the conversation that will continue until those guys are in their places until the bears decide to do whatever they're going to do with fields, wherever cousins lands and 
once Wilson's released, then that conversation will probably pick up even more about trying to connect him to Pittsburgh. But again, as we've talked about, as Dave and I have talked about, all looking pretty unlikely. All right, Josh, uh, some other piece of news, uh, two pieces here to, to tie up some loose ends. Pittsburgh announcing, I believe on Friday, the days run together, that they have officially submitted their bid to host either the 2026 or 2027 NFL draft. The NFL is a little inconsistent on when they announce these things. Usually, you know, they'll only announce it two years out. So Pittsburgh gets 2027, may not know until next year. Um, they've announced it, you know, in May before. They've announced it in, in March before in terms of the calendar of the year for the NFL. So I don't know, you know, Pittsburgh gets 2026. When we'll know, will that be next month? Will that be during the draft, after the draft owners meetings? I'm not quite sure, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident that they're going to host one of those two years, which year 26 or 27, no idea. But I think just given, you know, what football means and the city, I think is equipped to handle that. And as Rudy pointed out, just kind of the proximity to so many other football cities, whether it's, you know, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Baltimore, DC, Buffalo, Philadelphia, you're in a kind of good middle ground there. So I'm pretty, pretty positive. They're going to get to host a draft here pretty soon. Yeah, I think it's going to happen. You know, I'm just looking back at the article that uh, we wrote for the site. You know, I I was trying to think while you were talking, where would they have it? You know, would they have it at the actual stadium? I I completely forgot stage AE is right Mm -hmm. next door. So, I mean, that's a a good logical place to have it. I know the Steelers have had draft parties there in the past. Um, It's a good venue for it. And like you mentioned, the proximity to to other NFL cities and the fact that, you know, they gave one in, in, I believe, 2025 to Green Bay. Um, you know, kind of a, a colder weather climate that time of year. I, I feel pretty confident Pittsburgh is going to get a draft and it's going to do wonders for the city. Yeah, most of these aren't held at the stadium. Um, so my guess is it'll be held in a different location. Stage AE makes sense. Somebody also suggested the point, um, mm. more open area and probably some more space to handle that. Um, now, I don't know how exactly the setup's going to go because Stage AE is obviously more ready to host events and cameras and TV crews and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, where it'll be, I'm sure it's in that proposal somewhere. I think because the initial reporting that came out last year was that there were people from the NFL kind of scouting locations and getting a feel for the area. So uh, I'm sure the league will have some input in terms of what will work best for, for the draft as well, but won't, won't know potentially for a while. um, But I think they're going to have it here next couple of years. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's, like I said, it's going to do wonders for the city. Uh, I know obviously we work during the draft. That's, that's our busy time of the year outside of the season, but I definitely, um, you know, want to see what it would look like uh, in the city. That would be very cool to see such a huge, huge event come to downtown Pittsburgh. And uh, yeah, you know, it could happen at the point, like you mentioned, you know, could be it's AJE. You really only have to go across the bridge right there. Uh, I believe there is a pedestrian bridge there uh, as well. So, I mean, it's, it's downtown is, is a unique area and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to see where they would propose to have it at and how they could set it up because uh, the last few years, seeing what they've done in different cities, man, what it would do for Pittsburgh and just for the Steelers exposure in general would be awesome. Right. And I think Pittsburgh has had that desire to host a draft for, I mean, I was looking back at old Depot articles, I think in 2013, yes. when he was talking about, you know, we hope we can get the draft someday. And I think that was even before the draft was even being moved around to different locations and, and gone away from Radio City Music Hall in New York. So, um, yeah, I, I'd be very surprised if the NFL denied them for 26 and for 27. Yeah, I think Pittsburgh's definitely getting it. It's just like you mentioned at the top, you know, what year, 26 or 27, mm-hmm. and when will that announcement come? But, uh, yeah, after everything that, that you know, the Steelers organization and the Roonies have done for the NFL from a business standpoint, I, I can't see the NFL not, you know, giving them this this type of venue. Right. And the birthplace of professional football is Pittsburgh. That's mm-hmm. where professional football, now not the NFL, that was in, in Canton, Ohio. That's where the Hall of Fame is there. But um, Pudge Applefinger. And what, 1896, I think there you it was, go. 1992, uh, first uh, paid player between the Pittsburgh Athletic Club and the Allegheny Athletic Association. So I just love that tidbit. And that's why I love the area and Latrobe, because I think the game was held in Latrobe. And so the uh, the football ties run deep in Western PA. One other piece of news here, Frisman Jackson, former Seals wide receiver coach, has quickly found a new NFL home. He's been hired by the Seattle Seahawks as their new wide receivers coach under new head coach, Mike 
McDonald and so Frisman Jackson. Um, you know, good for him. Glad he found a place. We talked about him, I think, a bit on Friday yep. when discussing yep. Zach Azani, and we talked about probably a good coach, maybe needed a more veteran type of room, and so happy he's he's found a new new place. Yeah, he lands in a good spot. He's got two good veterans in Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf that you know know how to be pros. And again, that's not me taking a shot at the Steelers room, but you know, Lockett's been in the league, I think, eight or nine years. Uh Metcalf is coming up on, I think, year five or six. Got a young, promising receiver there in Jackson Smith and Jake, but it's a good room. And and uh, you know, he can go in there and 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 kind of reestablish uh, you know, his, his coaching style and his credentials. Like we said on, on the last show, a good coach just might not have been the best fit for the Steelers at the time. And uh hopefully he goes up to Seattle and has has some success. Last thing to discuss here, Josh, you wrote the article the other day about how inside linebacker remains a big need for for Pittsburgh. Can you kind of explain why you think that is and the best way to address that? Yeah, just looking at it, you know, I recall the comments that Mike Tomlin had in his end of year press conference where there wasn't really a a time frame on Cole Holcomb's recovery from his his ACL injury. Um, you know, that uncertainty, Quan Alexander, and you know, second torn Achilles, he's going to be a free agent. Outside of that, you've got a Landon Roberts, who I, I thought was very good last year, but was banged up a lot. Mark Robinson never really took that step. You're just looking at a position with a lot of uncertainty again. And, you know, you go back to the Shazier years. They haven't had that that answer there. They thought Devin Bush might be it. He wasn't. Uh, they they just have to go out and and fix this position long term, and I, I think it's a good draft class for it. You know, we've had multiple articles on the site about you know the Steelers having met with Texas A and M's Edgerin Cooper uh, at the East West Shrine Bowl. They've shown reportedly a ton of interest in him. I'm I've gotten a lot of pushback on hey you can't spend a first round pick on him, uh, but you know Mel Kiper had him at number twenty two on his big board. I believe I've seen. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah had him in the top 25. Like this is the new age linebacker Uh, sideline to sideline guy, three downs. He even has some reps off the edge as a true pass rusher. Uh, It's just, that's a guy I think you could bring in and be that, that chess piece for the defense. And that's something the Steelers need. And, you know, I know you get into this conversation about, you know, uh, positional value, like linebacker, a lot of the pushback has been, oh, you can find good linebackers day two, day three, cheap and free agency. Uh, but again, you look at the the last two teams standing this past season and look at the the level of play they had at the linebacker position, Fred Warner, Nick Bolton. Like y- y- The good defenses that are playing late in the year have high-end off-ball linebacker play. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Pittsburgh's just been missing that for a while now. And uh, it, it remains a big need. And and largely I got to that conclusion because of the uncertainty with Holcomb and, and just the lack of depth. Uh, you know, if Holcomb doesn't get hurt and, and, you know, continues to play at the level he was playing at this past season, I probably, I'm not sitting here today saying that. Uh, but the fact of the matter is Holcomb got hurt and we just have no clue what he's going to be in 2024 and beyond. I mean, that's the second straight year, I believe season ending injury, uh, what 444 snaps into the season or something like that. So just that uncertainty with his injury, um, you know, his injury history at this point and, and, and Roberts and his play style and just no depth. I want to see them be aggressive and, and try and plug that hole. And um, yeah, I, I know it's not, it's not the biggest need for a lot of people. Uh, but for me, and you look at what that defense needs, mm-hmm. it's, it's right up there for me. And it has been for the last few years. I agree with the premise, and I think people have been too quick to devalue the position. Some have called it the running back of the defense. You don't mm-hmm. need a good inside linebacker group. You just need you know good secondary, good pass rush, and you know inside linebackers will get freed up and and they'll make plays and that'll be fine. But yeah, as you said, I mean the Forty ers I mean heck, how big was losing uh, Dre Greenlaw in that game? It cha- I mean, yeah, changed the game. It did. Yeah, um, and as you said, Bolton for Kansas City, the Ravens with Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen. Um, yeah, those guys are are integral figures. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. I just, again, I, I would love to find that long, long-term option and Pittsburgh has struggled to do that. They've never really been able to truly replace Ryan Chazier. Um, And so, you know, I, I agree with that, but you know, if Holcomb is deemed healthy and, and good, and we don't know 
don't even know exactly what the injury was. We know it's a right. severe knee injury, but I don't know any details beyond that. But if, if I had the insight and the, the medical information that he was recovering well and should be good by training camp and Roberts, I mean, Roberts played great. I mean, yeah, he played mm-hmm. the fact he was playing was incredible down the stretch because he had the groin injury and the pec injuries playing with one arm half the time. Like he was you know, even in coverage, I think surpassed my expectations. He's a starting caliber inside linebacker yep. that can, can play the run well. So if you have a healthy Holcomb and you have Roberts, you have your stu- two starting inside linebackers right there. And then, yeah, Mark Robinson still earning trust. But I go back to what Terrell Austin said that, he was always projecting 2024 as being the year for Robinson, year three for him to gain some more trust and maybe get more playing time. Got some, obviously, in 23, a little bit because of all the injuries there. So if you have those three and then maybe add some other option, again, you're not going to have that long-term guy. But with all the other needs on this team, you know, at some point you have to make a call and you can't fill everything the way that you would ideally want to and with the offensive line at, at offensive tackle and center and some receiver depth and then defensive end and cornerback and safety. I mean, all those needs that Pittsburgh has to deal with, you know, I, I don't know if they're in a position to really uh, address inside linebacker the way that we would ideally want them to. Yeah, no. And I, I totally get that. And like I said, if we had some clarity on Holcomb, like I, I probably wouldn't feel as strongly about this, but again, you know, I called it a torn ACL. I, that's me speculating. It was never announced what it was, just that he had spent the night in the hospital mm-hmm. uh, and, and all that. I think Tom Pelissero had that the next morning after that Thursday night injury. Uh, but all we've gotten on it was there was no real timeline. Uh, you know, they'll see where he's at in OTAs. That's what Mike Tomlin said uh, after the season. So if there was some clarity on his situation, you know, what his timeline actually was, you know, I'd I'd probably change my thought process a bit, but sitting here right now, mid-February, we have no clue what the injury was or what his timeline is. And then you look at the lack of depth. uh, It just, it, it, it it concerns me. Um, And it just feels like we're on this, this unending cycle lately with the Steelers, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to take anything away from Landon Roberts. I thought he was fantastic. Sure. Uh, he was my favorite free agency signing last year overall. Uh, and, you know, I pounded the table for him quite a bit. But, yeah, it just with a guy like Cooper, that's the type of linebacker teams clamor for. Uh, and I think he'd be a really good fit in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, some of the comments I got on that article, Alex, were, oh, mm-hmm. they tried that with Devin Bush. Can't go down that path again. That, to me, is is – quite honestly, a bit ridiculous. Like, yeah, you missed once, but you can't stop swinging, you know, sure. like you, you, you can't be afraid to, you know, if you identify a guy, go out and get him. Like, yeah, it's, it's a backfire. That's what happens. You know, that's why there's misses. That's why there's hits and all that. Um, but yeah, I just, I think that he could change that defense around in general uh, and, and strengthen a position of need for me. But again, I get what you're saying with all the holes that this team has and, the, the the caliber of play they were getting from the linebackers last year before injuries hit, uh, you know, you could kind of patchwork it and, and plug some, some bigger holes. But I just, I think for me personally, I'm, I'm getting frustrated with the the cycle at linebacker and that inability to find that true sure. stud at the position. Like you mentioned Roquan Smith and, and Patrick queen, like in, in Baltimore, the Steelers and the Ravens are very similar in how they build and everything. And, and, and seeing the Ravens go out and get Roquan Smith and, and seeing him pair with Queen and, and hit it off the way that those two did this year defensively caused me a little pain. And I think that's <laughs> where I'm like, Steelers got to figure this position out because it to me, it's still so important in today's game. No, I, I don't disagree one bit. Let me ask you this. Is Edrin Cooper, is he a first round pick? Do you think he's going to go top 32? I. I think so. Honestly, I think he's going to have an awesome combine. I think he's going to test off the charts. Uh, and then you you compare that to his tape and just his overall experience. I think he's going to be in that back half of the first round. Um, so for Pittsburgh to get him, they're going to have to either trade up yeah. in the top, in, in the second round or, or get back in the first round or really more realistically take him at 20. Yeah, that or, or you know, hope a quarterback like, a you know, hopefully someone behind them values a quarterback or whatever it may be and wants to trade up and you can slide back a few spots. But uh, I just, like I wrote, if they like him and he's on the board at 20 and they've done their due diligence on him and he checks all the boxes, make the pick. 
you know, and, mm-hmm. and let it ride. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's a first round pick for sure. Um, the only way I see him sliding out of that first round is, is maybe if there's a unforeseen medical concern or whatever it may be, or he has a poor day at the combine, but just looking at his tape, you know, talking to him in Dallas at the East West shrine bowl, like he's expecting to run four, four, you know, put up a ton on the bench, jump out of the gym. Like, yeah, I think he's going to blow up and and I think you're going to start hearing more and more first round buzz for this guy. It's just a tough sell for me with all the needs for this team and sure. having Holcomb returning and Roberts and Robinson there to heck go sign Quan Alexander in camp as you did this past year and just see how he looks. Maybe he's mm-hmm. washed up and the Achilles injuries have been too much, or maybe he's recovered. You know, I- I'd be willing to try that, but it's just a tough sell with all the other needs, even not trying to criticize or downplay the importance of inside linebacker. But I mean, you know, what's more important, your offensive tackle or your center, or your, your, you know, starting corner inside linebacker, there is there is a list there. So it, that just it depends on the board, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just a tough sell for me. No, I totally get it. I, you know, and and that's the part where is some of the pushback I've gotten is, hey, is it more important for you know the Steelers to address a linebacker or offensive tackle or center in the first round? And I mean, yeah, I will tell you all day long the offensive line, like that's a major concern. But it depends on how the board falls. You know, sure. would I rather have the sixth offensive tackle or the top inside linebacker. You know, I'd, I'd probably take the top inside linebacker just because I'm uh, personally, I am higher on Edron Cooper than, than most, but uh, yeah, seeing him top 25 on big boards like Kuiper and, and Jeremiah, uh, I'm thinking 20 might realistically be in play, um, okay. you know, in April. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't dispute that, you know, his, his draft stock and status better than I do talking to him, doing the report on him. So, you know, I, I was just looking for confirmation of whether or not he is going to be a first round guy, top 32 Thursday night type of dude. And it sounds like he is. And again, I'm not, not saying I'm hundred percent opposed to it. I just find it to be less likely. Are there any other day two options? I mean, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. has been talked about a lot. Cedric Gray, Peyton Wilson has got the medical issues, but it's been healthy the last couple of years. So I, I don't want to say it has to be Edwin Cooper, and I'm sure you're not saying that either. Um, so there may be some some day two uh, candidates to think about. Yeah, there's certainly some day two, day three guys out there. You know, uh, it just depends. Do you want that Buck or that Mac? You know, I think I think Steel Chambers is a fit. Heck, I think Tommy Eichenberger from from Ohio State's a fit. There's guys out there, but um, you know, if I, I personally, I think if you want that game changer, that chess piece type that can be that trump card defensively for you. Uh, regardless of the formation, I think it, it's that Edron Cooper type guy. All right, fair enough. So we'll talk about it and we'll see how he looks at the combine. If he has the the combine that he says he will, then yeah, I mean, he he will get some discussion, I'm sure, in Pittsburgh and to a bunch of places picking in that 20-ish mm-hmm. type of range. Mm-hmm. All right, Josh, anything else here to discuss? I think we kind of hit on all the uh, most important notes. I'm just going to scroll through the site. Um, I think we've kind of hit on all the things that we wanted to talk about. Again, nothing earth shattering or urgent a really you know quiet weekend here the first one without football yeah i, I got nothing else uh it's been it's been a strange sunday with no football on my tv um you know so yeah nothing nothing else for me to add here alex we got some hockey on right now yep. start of the third period Penn still up on the kings one nothing um so we'll wrap up today's show i am not a hundred percent sure what we're gonna do the rest of the week there will be at least one more episode of the podcast here this week i we may decide to skip uh the wednesday show just because if there's nothing really else going on and i got some other things on my schedule right now that may conflict with that so if you don't see a Wednesday show, that'll be a, a likely a design determined decision. I'm sure we'll tweet something out as well to let you guys know. Um, but but anticipate at, at the least the Friday show. And I may have Josh come back or may bring Joe Clark or Ross McCorkle. We'll kind of place things by ear. But again, Josh, thank you so much for uh, taking the time and, and speaking with me. So I don't have to talk to myself here for 40 <laughs> minutes here on a Sunday. I appreciate you having me on, Alex. All right, outro time for me again. And yet again, I have forgotten to pull up all the stuff I have to try to talk about here to close things out. You can follow Josh on Twitter at by Josh Carney. You can follow myself on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazor. Follow Dave on the site on Twitter at SeagullsDepot.com. Want to drop us a note, you can send an email to the terrible podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.